This program is powered by Tascam. Tascam's mini studio creator, US42, is your new personal production and online broadcast studio, featuring a professional quality audio interface and a number of unique real-time effects. The mini studio creator delivers everything you need for your podcast or webcast. Find out more at Tascam.com, part of the Gibson family of brands. USB microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Sergeant, we need a response. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, stand on. I have a plan. <laughs> it's a big plan. It's real. Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. It's like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am. <laughs> that I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what we need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. And welcome again, ladies and gentlemen, to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks with the intrepid trio of Mike Hylan and Eric. And ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say that we're always excited and happy and honored when someone joins us as a special guest. But it's even more so when we have the good fortune of the person coming back for a repeat engagement, uh, which tells us that we didn't do quite a good enough job of driving them off the first time. So tonight <laughs> is uh, is one of those situations. Uh, I'm so glad to be and, back. Uh, yeah. Yes, welcome him back. Uh, this gentleman was our special guest on... On issue number 100, uh, he has been the artist on Hawkeye, uh, on Civil War II, uh, has done some on New Warriors, Spider-Man, and right now he is the co-writer and the artist on the new Nova series that premiered just last month. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome with us Ramon Perez. How you doing, Ramon? Hey there. Happy to be back. I'm doing pretty good. I wrapped up a deadline yesterday, so <laughs> a nice weight off my shoulders awesome i love deadlines they make a nice whooshing sound as they fly past (laughs) my life is ruled by them uh yeah it's like when when someone once told me i live like a student because their lives are dictated by deadlines like weekly deadlines monthly deadlines i'm like yeah that's fairly accurate yeah (laughs) pretty much so you had a good holiday uh i had a bit of a blur of a holiday actually i'm actually this weekend going to see my family because i didn't actually see them during christmas or wow anytime over the holidays yeah i was just too busy with deadlines and work so um i took a bit of a break on christmas day and new year's day chilled out with a couple friends that were also local and had no family here but uh yeah now that the work's wrapped up or at least uh, a few days i have a reprieve and i can go uh catch up with the loved ones if you will you know yeah very cool very cool. Yeah. So let's. I, I got before we talk about Nova. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I got to go back to the Civil War choosing sides. Oh, and, okay. And where you particularly got a a certain guest star in the book. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's not often that a head of state actually makes an appearance in a comic book, but you actually did that with Justin Trudeau. That's correct. Yeah. How how did that come about? 
Uh, well, this was pretty much more uh, Chip Zdarsky's uh, brainchild. He was approached by um, the Marvel higher-ups or the editorial staff to do one of the shorts, basically, for the Civil War anthology series. And he rather than kind of just write a little bit of a fluff piece, he was like, hey, what if we, you know, involve Justin Trudeau? I mean, his father was in the comics in the, in the 70s in the X-Men comics and Alpha Flight as well. So it's like, why not, you know? And they were like, I don't know, can we do that? And so, like, he, due to his time at uh, the National Post working as a journalist, he, he had a few connections, so he made a few calls, and they were like, we can't either say yes or no to this. So they were kind of like, just say, go ahead and do it, <laughs> and you won't get in trouble. But they, they couldn't officially approve it or, didn't like, tell you not to do it either. So he just went ahead and wrote the great little piece that he did, and, and um, the editor gave me a call up and said, hey, do you want to do this piece starring um, Justin Trudeau? And I was like, hells yeah. You know, like, that's an, that's an opportunity you don't get very often. So and that, 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 that eight pages is probably going to be the most famous comic thing I've ever done in my entire life. Like, the amount of press that little eight pager received was ridiculous. Everywhere from like Cuba, like, yeah, I mean everywhere, like, Colombia, Europe, like everywhere. BBC was calling, like it was ridiculous. So I gotta ask, does he have the little? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. oh wow, yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah it was actually funny because some people wrote. I, I was like watching some comments, and someone was like, "Yeah, well, what's with the tattoo, buddy?" And I was like, "Actually, if you do your research and just Google him, you'll see <laughs> many photos of him sporting this tattoo." They're like, "Oh, okay." So yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I was, I was just gonna slap an arbitrary tattoo on our premiere. That's that's a, that's what I'm gonna do. Oh, yeah, man. put him a nice tramp stamp across the. Yeah, bottom. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if you can read this, you're too close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So wrong. So and and he actually uh, Trudeau actually read it, and I, I remember seeing a picture. I think it was on your Instagram where yeah, a couple there, days he's, ago he's sitting there reading it and giving it the thumbs up. I mean, have you heard yeah. anything directly from his office from his people about it? Or? No, I've only talked with his assistant. I haven't actually had the chance to talk to him directly, um, but. Uh, they said he loved it like, through like you know the secondhand you know word, but uh, it was so cool. Like that, that the the photo we got a photo sent over had the official seal of uh, the you know the the government of Canada on it, so it's a official photo of him holding the Marvel comic, and uh, I thought that was pretty cool. So now I just gotta give him to sign a copy, and I'll be all set. <laughs> there, there you, you go. go. Yeah. So, since this involved Alpha Flight, uh, yeah. would you like to take a stint on Alpha Flight as a, you know, if they bring it back, give it its own series, would you be interested in doing it? Uh, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that, because uh, back in the day, I did a pitch an Alpha Flight series uh, with uh, Jay Torres, um, who I worked with over the years on various different projects, and uh, I think we worked on Degrassi, was our big project together. But, uh, yeah, no, I've always, I, I always had a drop of a hat, I would do it, but it have to be like the right I, I i'd like to kind of go back to the classic like create a nice classic team like that team has gotten the shaft in so many ways over the years yeah and and some of the talent that's gone on it and i'm like what's going on here like it's just it's just weird so um 
Yeah, no, I would definitely be be game if 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 I definitely if I had uh, involvement also probably on a story level to make sure it kind of just had that feel of what I remember and what I loved about the original team kind of thing. You know, what was what was one or two of your strongest impressions of the original team that you would love to bring back if you were able to do that? Uh, I remember thinking back to the original run by uh, John Byrne. I think uh, the most interesting part was he has such a diverse personality sect, and they kind of represented the the different facets of, you know, east east from east to west of our country. Um, but there's also this constant, like, infighting. They were, like, this, like, dysfunctional family. And, uh, but there's still kind of, like, a heart to it in the, the relationships between Aurora and Sasquatch and, and uh, Judd. I think now I find, like, every time I read these characters, I just kind of, like, have the same kind of, um, they're all kind of glossed over in the same. They don't really, you know, the, so whoever's writing it, like, you know, not to sound bad, would be some American writer who's, like, just throwing, like, Canadian catchphrases into pop mouth trying to make them sound like you know what i mean and uh so yeah i'd like to just kind of bring back more of their personalities and, and more of the interest that i thought and they, they were just some interesting very different kind of superheroes too so yeah i don't know it'd be an interesting experiment anyways it would because I, I always liked Alpha Flight as a as a group, mm-hmm. but you're right. It seemed like you know they never did get a whole lot of love. No, I mean I collected the first run of the series. I tried and I didn't even finish it out. I think I abandoned it around <coughs> uh, sometime after Jim Lee had his run on the series. So that was like early on in his career, and uh, and then uh, I think they had a couple other iterations, and and I, I wasn't really um, keen on those. And I remember actually uh, Sam Humphreys pitched me the idea of what is now Alpha Flight and Captain Marvel um, about three years ago or four years ago. I can't remember what it was exactly. We were chatting about something else and he brought up the idea of like, you know, Alpha Flight in space. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I don't know. And then like three years later, I see it happening. <laughs> so I was like, all right, you know, but you know, it was, uh, yeah, I think it was around the time I was like, we were supposed to co- work on a Star Jammers uh, series together. Ooh, that's another yeah. good group that, that doesn't get enough love in my opinion. Oh yeah, I was, I actually pitched on it, wrote uh, treatment for 12 issues and uh, what ended up having coming out was the Cyclops miniseries or is it ongoing? No, ongoing series with um, I can't remember who the, the artist is. I think Rucka was writing the first bit of it but I'm not sure who the artist was offhand. So it's always interesting to see where these things go and develop behind the scenes as you're as you're working on them. Okay. So I, I, oh, go ahead, Kyle. I, I, I'm I'm curious uh, because well, okay, well, because my wife my wife's Canadian and mm-hmm. so she so she, she shared with me some Canadian I, I guess uh, comic book heroes that well I was because uh, I'm was you no know, south of the border I wasn't really aware of and I was mm-hmm. curious exactly how popular. Alpha Flight was uh, in relation to someone like Captain Canuck? Uh, That's interesting because I think probably Captain Canuck by just name alone and the kind of slang behind it had more of a presence. It was like that popular indie comic book that floated around, you know, I think the 80s. And uh, it's actually one of the guys in the studio now is part of a company that's kind of uh, resurging the character and bringing him back for a new generation. But I think I would say he was probably more popular to the general public, uh-huh. I think. Um, Alpha Flight, I think, was, a, a, was as a team, might have been known to the general Marvel audience. But, yeah, I think they were, like, nobody's one. If you ask, like, the commoner, you know, common individual on, on the streets, they wouldn't have known who Alpha Flight was at all. But Captain Canuck, you might get, like, oh, yeah, kind of thing out of them. A bit of a cult following. Although with... Uh- I guess with your with your prime minister giving, you know, <laughs> yeah. because it was kind of sort of giving some love. Uh, 
know, that way that, that may change a little bit now? Yeah, it definitely could. Uh, I mean, you know, people, it was actually funny when I was getting interviewed about the, the comic, people were like, oh, is Justin Trudeau not going to be a superhero Marvel comics? And I'm like, no, it's not quite that. <laughs> you know, but uh, it definitely brought some uh, light onto the uh, the comic scene. But I think it's it's going to be one of those oddball things where I think people just buy it for the, the nostalgia or the right the kind of the kind of kitsch of it you know what i mean yeah. and then those people will just probably never open it or read or maybe they'll read the story and you know call it a day and that's it because <laughs> cool. uh, the sales numbers were pretty good on that issue and um so you know i know it reached a lot of people so we'll see where it goes from there <laughs> cool Okay. I'm just looking at all your faces on the video. I'm like, they're all staring. It's it's been a long week. (laughs) I feel you on that one. All right. Uh, So, Mike, do you have another question about that? or Not at the moment. Okay. Uh, Let's move on to Nova then. All right. All right. So take us behind the scenes when when all this comes together. And it was like, did did you pitch this or did somebody else pitch it and then say, hey, we want Perez? on it or uh no basically what happened was basically i'd been off of hawkeye for a while i was taking a break and working on the graphic novel i'm doing for uh, arkea and uh basically things were gearing up at marvel again and uh ricky perdin who's kind of like the talent management manager at at marvel basically contacted me and said you know what, what what would you like to work on? And I said I want to be involved with with something off the uh, you know the, on the ground floor. I want to be in there co-writing, co-plotting, or or even writing. So uh, I began pitching. You know, I was approached with a few different ideas like a She-Hulk and Elektra. Um, I did a rough pitch on Electra for the editor, and then uh, I was approached by Nova. And I'll be, I'm going to be honest with you, Nova is, is not one of those characters that really stuck out for me as, you know, like a jump in and, you know, I, I have to do this character. But it was interesting because they were telling me that they're going to bring back Rich Rider. So you had this interesting dynamic. And I was like, well, who's writing it? And they're like, we don't know yet. And I'm like, well, I'd like to help develop the story and the property and where this goes kind of thing. And they're like, yeah, we're cool with that. So uh, the writer, uh, the editor suggested uh, Jeff Loveness, who he'd worked with before on the Groot miniseries. Yeah. And uh, so he sent me that over. I read it over. I liked I liked the uh, sense of humor that Jeff and the kind of the heart that he put into the series. So, I mean, we, we had a phone call, Jeff and I, one day. He's out on the West Coast. And uh, we chatted for a few hours over, like, our take on characters. Because we were both pretty, like, you know, we, were, we knew who Nova was, but we really didn't know what's been transpiring with the characters for the most part over the past few years and so um you know devin my editor was kind enough to send us copies of the past two series a selection of stuff of the rich rider run we you know we did research on uh, the marvel wikis and and uh yeah pretty much educated ourselves and, and marvel pretty much said and this is what we want to do with you know this is how we're bringing rich back they had a general idea of kind of uh they didn't really know how he was coming back but they kind of wanted like you know these are elements we want involved in his return and then pretty much we had kind of free reign and uh we're just you know the just kind of like and it's interesting because jeff and i are, are come to come from very different angles on 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 the storytelling and our, our mindsets are you know he comes from a different writing sensibility and i come from a different storytelling sensibility so we kind of meet nicely halfway so we really kind of which i think helps balance the two characters out nicely we have like the, the high school hijinks and the you know the the try hard attitude of of um of sam but then we have this classic uh you know hero who literally saved the universe you know 
coming in and, you know, who's ripped people's throats out, you know, blasted things away and had love affairs with, you know, galactic assassins. So, I mean, it's like two very different characters, but it's kind of like this interesting meeting in the middle. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it came out of nowhere, the, the offer and, uh, and I love doing cosmic stuff. Oh yeah. Um, so I was like, it just kind of felt right. I usually go with my gut feeling. And, uh, after Jeff and I talked, uh, we were really on the same page with a lot of what we wanted to do and our approach to it. So it just felt right. So I just kind of basically went with it. Everything lined up. You know? Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's interesting because I, I liked the original Nova, uh, the mm-hmm. Richard Ryder Nova and followed him for quite a while through the new warriors. And okay. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I love that incarnation of him. Mm-hmm. And I was reading the, uh, the first two issues uh, of your new series as kind of like, this is great. He's been brought in. He's immediately the grumpy old man yeah. <laughs> because you see like all the, the champions. Now you got, you know, Ms. Mm-hmm. Marvel, the, the visions kid and Spider-Man and all that. Yeah. And, and that whole scene where he's got like, you're Ms. Marvel. What happened to Carol? Is Spider-Man dead? No, he's alive. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and just kind of yeah. like the, the and he's kind of like, is everybody 12 now? It's just yeah, yeah. <laughs> that oh, yeah. comment just kind of owned me. And it's just kind of like, <laughs> yes, Nova, rich writer Nova fits the grumpy old man so very well now. <laughs> yeah, uh, we went a little bit meta with a few of those comments. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just just a little, but but it, it works. Yeah. And in number well, two, because I, you have this guy. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, I'm just saying. Just you know, that's the one great thing. You have this guy who left the Marvel U. You know, uh, was six seven years ago, I guess, and whatever Annihilation was, maybe earlier. Yeah. Um, but in reality, I mean, I think according to the actual Marvel timeline, he's been gone for two to three years. But still, it allows us to play with that whole element of like you know this guy's a fish out of water like the place everybody he he, he saved the world for is gone from his like parents you know getting older and dying to to uh team members who are wearing different faces or different parts of different teams and so it's just like this weird weird world that he's returned to kind of thing yeah. and like, I, I just gotta tell you i, I love that you'd manage to take things like that and put a humorous spin on them like you know, you start off with with uh, Rich finding out that his father's dead, mm-hmm. and then you have you know Rich just finding out you know it's like you know nothing's the same, and, and apparently nobody remembers. And then you go back to nowhere, and all of a sudden there's Cosmo reading War and Peace. <laughs> yeah. And just kind of like, of course he's reading War and Peace. And I just hear his thoughts in my head. It's like, I am mind-reading dog, not idiot. Just with that <laughs> thick Russian accent in his head. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, then, I, mean, was, I guess we're going into spoiler-rific territory here. <laughs> another another one of my favorite characters of all time. You plop in on the last panel, Death's Head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do our best. I mean, it's interesting, like I said, because uh, Jeff definitely brings a lot of his humor. Um with uh, uh, with writing the characters, and, we, and we, we're trying to actually balance it out with like serious, like we we didn't want it to be a jokey teen angst book, and uh, but we knew that there was there had to be an element of that to a degree because that's part of Sam's character. But also, you know, we we have this kind of like like you said, grumpy old man, classic you know hero in, in every Greek sense of the word. You know what I mean? And then and like we want to keep things big and cosmic, but we also want to bring things close and familial. So it's it's really we're trying to mash it up and keep the flow and energy going because I love kinetic books that just kind of flow whether it be story wise or or visually. It's definitely I think by collaborating with Jeff on this, it's, we we definitely have a nice flow going. And sometimes we'll butt heads on stuff too. It doesn't sound all smoothly, but I think that actually helps develop a better story and keep all these things in check. 
and our editor comes in and mediates when we're about to rip each other's heads off. <laughs> <laughs> or, or rip your intestines out through your throat. Exactly, right? <laughs> I can tell that's going to be a running gag already. <laughs> so the, with the new relaunch of Nova, what made you guys decide to go the, the direction you are taking this? I mean, was this you know, the collaborative effort between you and... Yeah, I think it's a little bit of everybody. I mean, obviously editorial has the direction that they want to imbue in the book. They wanted a certain style and focus in the book and um, also but I mean there's also the expectation like old Richard Ryder fans, you know, this is him coming back so we can't just like, he's not just going to be shadowing Sam we've had to have a balance, right? And I just wanted to do basically uh, a very classic superhero stuff and what's more classic than galactic you know heroes you know and um i uh and i think like i said i think it's just uh, jeff jeff and i said like, he loves a lot of classic old like we're referencing old x-men stuff all the time like the claremont era stuff and that's the kind of heart that i wanted to bring back into uh the kind of comics that i was involved in and i think yeah it just naturally occurred kind of thing you know and we if we want to steer the ship in a certain direction we're like oh like you know like jeff was like i want to use cosmo i'm like i'm all for using cosmo and I'm like, I'm bringing in Death's Head, you know, and stuff like that. He's like, who? And I'm like, I got you. I love this guy. You know what I mean? So it's it's just like when you have opportunity to play in a little bit more free reign, you're just going to steer the boat where you want to go kind of thing. So you do get pretty much, I don't want to say free reign too much because, of course, the editors do got to have some say in it. Oh, well, yeah. We we obviously have to run things by them. And we have like, we, we pitch our, our story ideas based on, you know, like I said, the parameters they set forth. But, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, as long as we're, we're telling a good story, they're letting us kind of, we can go pretty crazy as long as it kind of fits within, you know, the spectrum they've kind of allotted for us. Is so stoic there? <laughs> <laughs> so the whole part where you see things from Rich's perspective, yes, and everything, and and everything starts getting dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm dying to ask, you know, the what the deal is behind that, but I, I know I can't you can't tell, you. tell it. You can't tell me. You can't tell me. Do you want I mean, me just to like, ruin the story for you? <laughs> uh, well, yes, actually, if you don't mind, but. <laughs> You'll, you'll find out soon enough. It actually, uh, I think issue three uh, will definitely raise some eyebrows regarding that element. And uh, you will definitely have a few more answers uh, by issue five. And then issue six and seven, if we're going by the same route we planned, um, we're going to delve more into Rich's side of things and how he came back and what's been up with him kind of thing. So this, we're slowly building. We're, we're trying to keep it, you know, just a little bit chip here, chip there. Give the guys a chance to kind of meet and hang out, get a sense of you know the the world uh, that they're building together, the, the buddy cop scenario, if you will, and and uh, and then build up some villains as well and stuff like that. So like yeah, we're just trying to be. I found uh, the last two Nova series were a, a little bit more. Um, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Interrupted by too many guest appearances and um, and crossovers. Like, so we really were going out of our way to try to keep this as much as an insular story where these two characters are relying on each other. I mean, we're having some guest spots, obviously like the champions stuff, because they're part of Sam's world and that sort yeah. of thing. But for the most part, we're we're trying to kind of keep these guys building a relationship and then seeing where it goes from there, kind of thing. 
So we can't. We we really shouldn't be looking forward to like you know new warriors cameos or or anything like that anytime soon. Yeah, not really. I mean, there, it's something we have touched upon. Uh, you know, because obviously a guy comes back from the dead, people are going to start hearing about his return. Yeah. Uh, like the way I'm playing it is between the end of the last Nova series and our Nova series. Uh, uh, in my head, there's been a good a good like maybe six months gap between. Okay. You know, if you go by the haircut he had at the door and the haircut at the beginning of our first issue. <laughs> he, he's been chilling out with mom, sitting in his uh, the, the house, kind of collecting his thoughts. And uh, but people are are going to be finding out he's back. And uh, so yeah, we're definitely going to be revisiting uh, some people from his past. Um, I've already, you know, I've wanted to bring back some uh, some old villains too, but I think we're shelving that for a while, uh, and predominantly just dealing with the more immediate relationships he had. And new, new wars will probably eventually happen. We're not sure when exactly. Originally, in our first issue was good, we were going to have them, but that got bumped out. So yeah, um, yeah, they'll be played by ear. You know. Yeah, because when you think about it, Nova really knew a lot of people back in the yeah, day. Oh, yeah. Well, he's I been mean, around forever, and you're like, yeah, he was. He started as like you know the new war, and he had the new warriors, and they had that new warriors, where it was like a reality TV, yeah, kind of series. Like Scotty Young did the yeah. art on that, yeah, and then you know then he became like so he went from this like long haired kind of skater kid to almost this kind of very clean cut Nova Prime you know military dude almost. So he's had like this weird growth in Marvel. So which is a very few characters can say that over the past you know fifteen twenty years most characters kind of just stay the same age and, and you know look the same for the most part so um, uh, yeah I mean yeah I think we'll, we'll definitely touch upon a lot of this history just like baby steps because there's a lot to go through yeah. So, and, and on that note, you know, mm-hmm. you've got Sam, he's 15, he's about to turn 16, you know, are you going to get to do stuff like that? Are you going to get to age him a little bit? Like, are we going to get to see Sam celebrate his birthday out in nowhere or something? Or I, I think it's, a, it's something we have touched upon, like, because, I mean, he is a high school uh, kid, and I mean... I always find it weird when the kids are like forever in high school. So, I mean, if, even if we age them slower, I think it is important because time it's weird because like in his story time, there are markers for time passing because he lost his father, found a father, found out he was a clone of a father. You know what I mean? So there are like these markers and you can't just have that happen in like a, in a world that he doesn't age. Yeah. So it's definitely something that we want to kind of, I want to age him just enough, like where he's like, he's no longer that 14 or 15 year old kid. He's now maybe, you know, 16 or 17, that little kind of time in your life when you're, you're, you're having to figure out your shit a little bit stronger, especially in a scenario where he's in a family dynamic where he's kind of the man of the house. He might have to look after his sister. He might have to help his mother out. Like, and especially in an old school Latino family where it's very much a, a family oriented culture. You know, so definitely it's something when, when that birthday will happen, when that birthday party will happen, who knows, but uh, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. I want to see Cosmo walk out with this big cake, a big cake for you. Blow out candles, please. <laughs> so is there a character, um, that you want to bring into Nova, even for a guest star that you have? Well, I mean, the, the best? that I haven't done. I mean, I had my first switch granted with the end of issue two and that one, that one came out super easy. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, which I was completely surprised by. I was like, I want to use him. They're like, okay. I'm like, what? Oh, wow. Okay. Who else can I ask for? And then, like the first issue, I brought the seed reeds in, which were like just bizarre aliens I hadn't seen since like forever. So I was like, let's do these guys. Um, so, so far, I've been pretty lucky. I'd love to do, because like I said, I pitched a Star Jammer series years ago. I would love to bring the Star Jammers in for maybe an arc, like Corsair, but the classic, Hepzibah, Chod, oh, and yeah. 
have maybe a little arc with them kind of thing. Maybe they go out to do something. Who knows? Um, other than that, I I had this idea for bringing back uh, Doctor Sun. Um, okay. Uh, whether, whether that, that's like an old Nova villain from way back in the yeah. day, basically a, a robot body with like a floating brain in a glass you know jar on his head. Um, whether that'll happen, I don't know. But so I'd be kind of right. I love taking B list characters and, and breathing new life in, into them over creating a new character for a scenario because there's so many great characters out there that are just kind of like gathering dust in the in the far reaches of uh, of the Marvel U. So just about kind of giving them their moment to shine, if you will. And that's kind of in in keeping with the way that the cinematic universe is is doing things as well. Because you take a look at like Guardians of the Galaxy is not the original lineup of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Of course, this is like no a bunch of well C and D list characters that never really had much of a of a comic book presence until you bring them together and then boom it's like one of marvel's most successful films period yeah exactly right <laughs> no so, so yeah i mean if i can go rifle through i mean it's hard because a lot of characters have been uh you know uh, brought back briefly for a stint here or there so it's like it's always tough to figure out who you can bring back and when and or, or if someone else has a plan for them so if you can you know uh, it's always interesting to see, like i have my old marvel universe and books on the shelf there and <laughs> slowly rifling through them going okay who's not dead who can i use who's not being used who will make who won't be an odd fit so it's it's a lot of fun so and and does the editorial people kind of like they say okay you can't bring such and such back or well yeah i mean they have certain things like there are a couple of elements we wanted to uh, uh do in in the first issue i mean i don't know if i can really tell say what they were but there's like for example i wanted to kill a, a particular character off and they were like no you can't do that he's important we have plans for him kind of thing. We don't know what they are yet, but you can't touch them, you know. So I'm like, all right, you know. So there are there are certain things that will happen where they're like, no, you can't change this, or you have to do this instead of that kind of thing. So, and I mean, it, it ends up working out better for the series, anyways. Half the time, usually, I mean, it just forces forces you to think more creatively and figure out, okay, how do we get from point A to point C, um, and uh, and do it well, kind of thing. If we can't can't use the tools we want to, well, let's get more let's get let's get more uh, fancy and creative. Kind of thing. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you this question. And I I realize as an artist, you may be a little bit biased one way in, in this. When it comes to writing versus uh, penciling, or I, I can't, we can't really even say penciling because you do the inking on your stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you prefer one over the other, or do you do you actually prefer to be doing both? Like, say what with what you're doing now? I, to be honest, I prefer doing both. I mean, um, I consider myself a story, even though like I did a career in gaming and doing freelance artwork. A lot of the highlights in my career have been stuff I've written myself, whether it was writing the graphic novel for riffs back in the day or Love writing that or, novel <laughs> thank you or doing like web comics over the years whether it was collaborating with rob on butternut or cuckoo bird yep. on my own um adapting jim the jim henson tale of sand i didn't quite write that but i took an existing thing and adapted it and made it my own so it's like I, it's, it's definitely something i prefer to do so just working as a hired gun on a book while satisfying to a certain degree is not really my favorite thing to do so that's why when 
when um, Marvel called me back up to do the next project, I said I wanted to be involved on the ground floor. Yeah, you know, I want to be involved in where the story goes because I have this terrible habit. Like if I'm working on a book, it's suddenly if the script goes south or somewhere weird, in my opinion, that I don't like, I lose complete interest in the project, and then I just I don't want to draw it anymore. I'm like, you know, I remember working on a series years ago for DC or Wildstorm, I can't remember what it was, and I was like, the first two issues are like, oh, this is great, I'm having fun, and the third issue, I was like, what? Some story I'm in, some MacGuffin came in, I was like, I was like, that is stupid. Yeah, but I was just a hired gun, so I could, I just had to draw it, and I was like, this, and then I was just like, this story makes no sense now whatsoever. Like, and I was like, I checked out of that, and I was just like, I don't get it, you know, and uh, so yeah, I really have to kind of be invested in the, if you want me, the best for me, it's it's better to me have me invested from the ground floor, like, on, in on the story, whether it's doing it myself or collaborating with somebody and making sure at least I get to steer the ship in a direction that I will enjoy. And I figure yeah. if I'm enjoying it, the readers will enjoy it as well. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and a lot of our, I mean, a lot of great writers I've worked with over the years, like when I worked with Jason Aaron on Wolverine and the X-Men, he, oh, yeah. like when I came on that run, uh, he was awesome. He was just like, you know, I had the story built, but what would you like to see in it? Do you want to see robots or cowboys or, you know, whatever? We're going to have fun with this. Art. I was like, oh, so I gave a bit of input here and there. So it allowed me to get a little bit of investment in the storyline. Um, but other times, sometimes when I'm handed something, I usually try to read over the script and make sure I'm into it enough to dedicate myself to the project as well, kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an interesting world just working as a hired gun in comics because, I mean, there are other guys who just like being the hired gun and they go in, they draw, and they're more than happy. But I guess just years of doing my own stuff, um, like I said, on the web or for other companies, just actually even before that, when I was a kid, I was writing my own comics as well. Uh, so it's just like, it's definitely been you know, the storyteller aspect to be a part of me creatively as an artist for as long as I can remember. So to cut it out, it's almost like after a while, I feel kind of hobbled. Yeah. Okay, say that Marvel calls you up. You know, Nova's going pretty good, and you decide, you know, it's time to, to move on to something. They say, you have your choice of next project. Like, you know, mm-hmm. pick a character or pick a group mm-hmm. and pitch us. Where do you go? Uh, I mean, do you go I, like an Alpha Flight or Star Jammers again? Or I would definitely probably go back down to Star. I mean, I've reworked my pitch with Star Jammers as my own graphic novel now. So that might be a different way to go. But I would still love to visit those characters, whether it be Alpha Flight or uh, Star Jammers. Probably Star Jammers more because, like I said, I do like the Grand Galactic Adventures. Um, They're space pirates. How can you not yeah, like that? Even, I even have, like, back from my uh, my Dark Horse days, when I was working with Dark Horse, I pitched a lot of um, um, Star Wars pro. Projects. So I might it would be, be interested to pitch because the dynamic has changed with what they're willing to do with Star Wars now. So I might you know ask to pitch on some of the the, the characters I, I I had kind of originally wanted to pitch on in the in, when when uh, Star Wars was at Dark Horse. So that might be fun to revisit as well, kind of thing. Yeah, now um, that Star Wars is back at Marvel, you know, you, you yeah. never know. You could pitch a Star Jammers versus like Rebels kind of thing. <laughs> I did, I did sneak a Wookiee into the third issue of Nova. I don't know if anybody will catch it. <laughs> I will be looking for that. <laughs> but, so, um, so does does this mean you, you've pitched a, a five-issue Jackson Star Wars title? Jackson the Rabbit? Yes. yes. The Green Rabbit? Oh, <laughs> I didn't pitch no. him. I, pitched, I did pitch, uh, back in the day, I did pitch uh, a Chewbacca Yoda uh, miniseries. I also pitched, uh, I love, I love like, once again, I always B-list characters, so I picked, pitched uh, 
a Max Rebo in the band uh, storyline involving Bosk and Zuckus, as well as Chewie and uh, Lando. So it was like a really weird mashup of characters, but it worked out uh, actually quite nicely. That actually um, does sound... That, it, it, I, sounds, I would, it sounds weird when you first hear it. <laughs> I, I would read it. that. Yeah, I still have the pitch. I'm, I'm kind of tempted to send it over to editorial at Marvel. Like, I, it was probably the, the most fleshed out pitch I sent to to, um, to Dark Horse at the time, but they were looking more for uh, a Darth Vader series at the time. So we ended up we ended up developing a, a Darth Vader short, but then that ended up getting shelved because I think it was like a year later or something they lost the license or something like that I can't remember. Oh, and then it went over to so yeah, so many things get just shelved sometimes when budgets change or you know ownership and licenses it, it becomes difficult. But yeah, it'd definitely be fun to resurrect some of that stuff for sure. I would, I would love to see a Tales from the Cantina. Oh yeah, I love that, well. oh, that God, novel. Yes. Yeah, I mean, great, you probably actually. won't because now that's Legends, and they're not gonna, they're not right. gonna do anything with the Legends part. But do a new version of that. That's because yeah, that's man. when you mentioned Max Rebo. That's kind of where I was, I was going in my head. It's kind of like yeah. you see, a, you you see the story told from the band's perspective. Well, you that's know, kind like, of what it was. Yeah, it was like you know, you're, you're seeing this band that was on Jabba's barge, and they'd be touring around so they've got like a different perspective they're like the working man perspective just trying to earn a buck you know what i mean yeah kind of thing right it's kind of like uh, yeah we had a good set going until this human in black came in and started (laughs) acting like the joint yeah exactly right (laughs) so i don't know what else i'd pitch i mean there's so many characters i'm always usually it's something that sparks up when you know you just come across a character or a story like you know, sometimes like you think maybe a character would never, you'd never think of something like even well Nova, for example, like I never thought of working on Nova, but once the character was presented to me, I'm like, okay, what's the angle? What's the story? What are we going to do here? So sometimes it's just, it could be just the right character presented to you as well. So it might necessarily, not necessarily be one that I want to work on, but one that's kind of shown to me, I'm like, okay, that makes sense kind of thing. You know, let's go with that. What's been one of the oddest titles that Marvel has has pitched to you or has has brought to you that you you just said yeah I, I just don't want to do this one. I don't think there's been any odd ones per se. I think um, I think the oddest scenarios have been when they've approached me with a pitch or a character or but they don't know what they want to do with the character and then if I present something for that character they're like well no that doesn't work it doesn't work with what we want to do with the character I'm like but you don't want to know you don't know what you want to do so it's like it's, it's like that's probably the weirdest situations where it's like they're unclear maybe where they want to go with the character because maybe because due to the movies or the TV shows you know they have to kind of steer the boat in a certain direction every so often um and uh and so that's probably the most when you're kind of given a character but you really don't know what to do with them because they almost don't know what they want to do with them so it's kind of like then how do you want me to pitch on this because I'm like <laughs> it's like, it's like you're handing me a map with absolutely no directions on it whatsoever and I don't know where to start or where to end or what's you know what's important what I can't do what I can do it's just like so that's probably the weirdest scenarios but characters in and of themselves that have been weird in general I've never been given a character where I've gone oh that's just stupid I don't want to work on that character yeah, like, now, with, with the way Marvel has just been releasing titles um, out of nowhere, are, are you are you kind of seeing um, that as a trend at the moment, where they they want to pitch ideas but they have no 
idea the direction they want to go with it? Well, I mean, it, it can be dangerous because when you're producing, I mean, I, I, people always have to realize these are companies that have to kind of, you know, produce these books constantly to maintain the status quo. And sometimes, you know, some books are planned very well. Other ones are fly by the seat of their pants. And, you know, both can, you know, you can have good or bad results with either scenario. You can plan something. It could go terrible. You could not plan anything and it could go fantastically. But, um, Sometimes, and I think this is just general in com- of comics, the comics industry overall, not just Marvel, is people just tend to do fly by the seat of their pants and just kind of create and sometimes throw, throw things out there and hopefully some sticks and some doesn't, you know. It's a kind of creative process in the public eye, if you will. Okay. You know, but I mean, I think with the number ones, the constant re, re, like the re, um, what's it called, not revamping, but relaunching series, I think, I think it's a little bit dangerous. I mean, I think it's, it's nice to have long haul runs on things and it allows you to develop things a little bit more. Or if you're going to do relaunches, at least do them in almost like a season like where you, you plan ahead for, you know, what you might be doing like three or four years, but you can always relaunch that. And you number one, like this is season two of Nova, you know, for this year, it'll be 10 issues. Come back next season for the next arc kind of thing, you know? Sort of like like what Dark Horse has done with uh, Buffy or DC's done with Arrow and and The Flash. Yeah, exactly. Or like Hellboy's another good example. I mean, it was more irregular, but yeah, definitely. I think think, think that services characters, I think, better sometimes. If if you're constantly going an ongoing series, um, people will run out of ideas you'll have bad because you're constantly trying to fill a gap right but if you can if you plan a little bit better and go okay listen we got a 10 issue arc you know this year and for for our, our segment what's our plan for this character let's let's do it up have a break and then come back two months later and have the next year's arc and but actually have it you know finely tuned and, and working well kind of thing okay. now I, I i thought i would get behind that I mean, I think that's the way things should have gone a long time ago, but that's just me thinking, you know. Now, I I saw Jimmy Palmiotti mentioned on Facebook an idea of titles coming, like, for instance, Nova coming out quarterly, but yep. being a, like, 66 or 68-page hardback? Yeah, yeah um, totally. I, yeah. What, what, what I are your that thoughts stuff, on that? Yeah. I mean, these are all ideas that myself and other talent have thought about over the years, uh, as we discuss the state of the industry, as we often tend to do when we're, like, you know, commiserating in the studio. I mean, it's definitely like, we, we you know, often discuss like, you know, have, like, your special, like, you have so much great talent, instead of having to them to try to adhere to this monthly schedule, you know, do like these special projects. I mean, and there used to be a little bit more prevalent uh, of that. Like back when I was collecting comics, you'd have a lot of the prestige books that would come out quarterly uh, that featured Batman that eventually became known as Elseworlds, or you had like limited series, which were kind of almost the same thing. And there just seems to be less of those uh, now. It's almost a non-existence, if, if you will. They just launch things, then like they'll cancel them early and call it a limited series. Um, but yeah, I think I think it would be great to have like just uh, this is our ba- two you know maybe four Batman graphic novels a year every quarter a different team on it doing a great story standalone story you don't need to read any of the other ones and then if you want have one ongoing for continuity for fans who love continuity mm-hmm. have that going on in the background and then but you should have also stuff uh, out of continuity you should just be having stuff like people having fun with the stories enjoying the characters and, uh, and, uh, well I I, yeah. I I think what he was talking about was the the ongoings being a quarterly book. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And, totally. I mean, like... And, and I think part of that was, too... Um, 
because I guess a lot of people are still considering comics disposable like magazines mm-hmm. and trying to give yeah, more totally credibility yeah. to you guys, the creators, and, and mm-hmm. make it m- more of a book and not a magazine. Mm-hmm. Well, I think with – I mean, I don't think you'll ever – see that happening anytime soon because I think that would take more planning which is something that is very difficult overall in comics I think Um, because you have too many cooks in the kitchen you have the higher ups you have all kinds of different tiers of people involved in getting these books you know created and also these companies are are built so so big that they they need to sustain a certain amount of money flow on a monthly basis which is what uh, the floppies generate they're like that lost leader then they get the, the trade where they make more money by recollecting and having people buy that trade again, right? So it's almost like the the, the floppies, in a sense, almost a like disposable advertising for them to just garner the first run of money, see what flies, see what sticks to the wall, keep the good ones going, cancel the bad ones, and then you collect the good ones and trades. People will buy those again. So that's where you get your free money because you don't have to pay the talent for that. I mean, talent gets royalties, but you don't have to pay the talent to get to create it. You're just putting together another product that people want to keep on their shelves, right? You know, my, 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 my thinking is I like, go straight to the trade, have that nice book but you're then missing out on one financial opportunity as a company. And that's why I don't think you'll ever see that anytime soon. Just going straight to, I mean, as much as I'd like to, I think it would be better. And like, yeah, you would get more, uh, I think you get higher quality product and a better, you know, recognizability for it. But I think, I think if it ever gets introduced, it would have to be two separate lines. You'd have your floppies still going for a certain aspect of disposability, whether they go completely digital, maybe for kids or something. But um, I definitely think you'll never see the disappearance of um, that loss leader anytime soon for for Marvel, especially the big companies. You know, even some smaller companies have like companies that have never published floppies and never said they would are now publishing floppies because I think they just see the benefit of it as a testing ground. Someone's more willing to invest in a $4 or $3 book and take a chance on it than go take a chance on a $20 or $30 hardcover, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... Well, I, I can I know that my, my wife picked up I forget which which company it was, but they had released like four or five of their first uh first issue books and like one one trade for like I don't know five bucks. Mm-hmm. And she actually ended up going back and there was like two books that she ended up getting into because of that. Yeah. Um I was like and and it made perfect sense to me. I'm just you know, especially if it's somebody is and this was you know, like it was an indie book so mm-hmm. you know that's you know for somebody who isn't very familiar with this company that's a good, yeah. great way to get your product out there of now course, you yep. would think that for marvel one of the big people that i don't you know i i, I don't know and i and i think that you know, especially w- with it, it seems like now there's this pull this pull between the digital mm-hmm. uh and also uh trying to support your 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 local comic shop as well you know it's mm-hmm. i don't know yeah and it's uh, it's interesting too because yeah, well, these these comic shops are also uh, pushing not to have these. I mean, when that whole the first they first started to release um, uh, the digital versions, I think close to or we like a month or three months apart from the the, pay, the, the floppy. Like I know a lot mm-hmm. of retailers went were quite upset because they're like, oh, you're stealing money from us. And I'm like, I'll be honest with you, I don't think they're that stole anything from them. Mm-hmm. I think I think the floppies, the digital versions, just got people to buy comics that never bought comics or perhaps stopped buying comics like i've read more comics through marvel universe unlimited than i have from going to a store because you know i'm i i'm short on space i can't be buying floppies all the time i don't have the the money to be constantly taking chances on books maybe that i want to um but you know you pay a monthly fee you get a bunch of books 
you're like, oh, this, I can check this one out. Oh, this is great. Oh, I really love this one. Maybe I'll go buy the, the collected version of this one. Mm-hmm. This one I'll definitely probably reread or something like that, right? Right. So. See, exactly. I, I, I'm, in a, I'm a, in a similar boat uh, outside of the Star Wars titles where mm-hmm. I am collecting everything because I missed out the first go-round of keeping everything mm-hmm. that I had, uh, which yeah. is going to be a painful process to, to rebuild that collection. Um, <laughs> the you know, like Sadarsky's Howard the Duck. Um, mm-hmm. I had the I have the the first two trades that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but I didn't get the individual issues except for issue nine that had. Leah Thompson in it just because it's mm-hmm. Leah Thompson. Um, <laughs> I'll go back. I'll go back and get the the latest, no, the last trade because um, I know it's mm-hmm. out. And I I haven't had a chance to get it, but I'm doing the same. Yeah. I'm I'm doing. I'm going to be doing the same thing with Squirrel Girl as well. Yeah. Um, because it, it, for me, having two dogs, a daughter, limited yeah. space. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the digital aspect because I could take it with me anywhere with my iPad. Oh, exactly. Um, yeah. But when I want that physical, um. I don't mind having the the, the graphic novel yeah. or, or the trade paperbacks. Right. The only the only thing I wish Marvel would do is since they already do it with the individual issues, is offer up a code where you can get the the, oh, the yeah. collective volume through Comicology mm-hmm. or or the Marvel dot com comic stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would be good. Yeah, definitely. No, so. it's interesting. I mean, because I think people are still struggling to figure out how best to deliver. You know, I think the comics industry and publishing in general, but comics is they're going through what the music industry went through, like. 10 or 15 years ago trying to figure out how to best deliver this how to get it into people's hands how to create a good product so it just I think time will tell and certain things will you know work and other things won't we'll go from there kind of thing maybe maybe 10-15 years from now it'll be like holographic comics or something yeah (laughs) it's true yeah do you think um, even though the comic industry is doing well digital in the digital world they're still afraid of the digital world, uh, the publishers? Yeah, yeah, I think they are. I think they're not sure quite how to best utilize it. Because uh, right now they're just regurgitating their print media for the most part. I, don't, I, I mean, I'm not that educated. So I'm not. Maybe they're creating new media for digital, but I don't think they are. I know they did for a while, but I don't know if they did well with it. Um, I, I know Marvel does every now and then um, a, a digital only title. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, occasionally. Occasionally, yeah. yeah. And they offer it through just what their Marvel uh, through Comicology um, and, and the Marvel. Oh, okay, okay. Marvel.com, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, yeah. I mean, if it. I don't know. It's interesting. I remember pitching on a lot of that stuff back in the day at, at DC, and I think you have a great way to reach a lot of readers. Uh-huh. They just, I think, as companies don't know how to make money off of it yet, and I think that's the one big thing that they're not sure as to how, how to best get, get that investment for themselves. Kind of thing. Now, kind of taking off on that conversation about digital versus print, mm-hmm. uh, now you do work in digital and you do work in print, do you have a preference as to either one? Do you prefer do you to do, for, do, do you you like creating, the, creating on digital? Do you mean like doing artwork digitally or do you mean right, delivering right. the... I'm sorry. Yes. Um, I, 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 um, I mean, I, I like both. I mean, there's an expedition, expeditiousness to the the digital workflow that even though I'm pretty fast traditionally, there are, you cut out certain steps that you don't have to worry about, whether it's having to scan pages, having Having to, you know, the freedom to allow you to resize and and, and adjust things on the fly is much easier. Um, so there are benefits to both. To me, it's just another tool. I mean, right now I'm doing everything digitally just because I'm doing a lot of work right now, and I just it's the only viable way to accomplish it all without killing myself any more than I am already. You know what I mean? So. Um, 
I think it would definitely like I I know after a while I will definitely want to go back to more traditional stuff just because I like working on paper. I like it provides a different look and feel mm-hmm. to your work as well. So, um, but yeah, for now, I think digital is, is allowing me to do things uh, well and fast, which is uh, which is uh, uh, an important element right now. And um, though I don't think I mean I don't think I would ever go completely traditional again. Like um, I do love doing my layouts, for example, digitally because it allows me to play with things, move things around, and see things in a different way that I, I could never achieve traditionally. So yeah, yeah, okay, but. Yeah, yeah, you can't you can't argue that because like if you like like say you doing rich richer rider in flight and you go like you know that looks good but if it was zoomed in a little bit more it might look better so yeah. I mean that's something that you can do pretty much on the fly in real time because if you did exactly. it on ink and paper is kind of like well crap I gotta like draw either, that again and yeah either redraw it or you scan it in and you recrop it resize it yeah. so on and so forth so it's a whole yeah exactly the simple things like that which don't seem like a lot will just save you so much time oh, or if you drew like you drew the perfect face you're like oh that's great then you look back and you're like oh man that head's too small for his i gotta redraw that <laughs> digitally just like yep blip grab make it bigger all good now you, you were saying you're you're really into uh marvel unlimited currently what what titles uh have been grabbing your attention uh, I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. I haven't read much of it lately. I had my phase uh, last year when I was catching up on a lot of stuff. I was reading a lot of the um, the new X Men, which probably is not new anymore. I read a lot of stuff that came out years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, right. Chris Somney's run on Thor, and then his run on Daredevil. Like stuff I miss out on when it's coming out because I'm just I'm always behind. I'm never on top of any series as I used to be because I just don't have the time anymore. Um, so it's basically me just rifling through older stuff, to be honest. Guardians of the Galaxy was another one, yeah. um, and just kind of catching up on on them. And uh, but these days, I'm usually I'd be buying a lot more um, uh, image trades because I mean a lot of my buddies are there working on doing great series. So and you know when when it's creator owned, I usually like to, to go there because you're getting something a little bit more genuine from the creator, something they really want. To, to put out there, not that they say, not that they, not that they don't want to put out the stuff they're doing for Marvel or DC, because I think they're just as passionate as that, it's just a different angle, a different facet of the personality. So, like you know, Southern Bastards or um, or Saga or uh, what's that? One? What was I, reading? I just finished uh, Headlopper. Um, uh, I got Drifter on my my table. I got to catch up on uh, Giant Days from Boom. So I just like all these like tons of books just kind of sitting around on my coffee tables as I pick them up trying to catch up. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of variety. I think for the most part, a lot of Marvel stuff I, and DC stuff for that matter, I feel intimidated because I'm so out of touch with the world when it comes to actually reading the larger storylines. That's why I kind of I think gravitated towards the new X Men when it came out years ago because it was like, oh, these are like the original guys and they're back, so they're out of place, just like me going back to, <laughs> to reading these comics perfect we're both out of place what makes sense you know <laughs> so yeah well if you got time to stick around again um <laughs> it is that time for for our picks of the week <laughs> 
you, you, you up for you, you up for the the judging again to see how we do this go around and see how how we might have improved in the years since the last time you were on? Or sure, not. go for it. Judge away. So, um, well, I'm going to start off first. I, I'm just going to take it from the top this week. Uh, these are our titles coming out January 11th. God, I almost said June 11th. Um, <laughs> Slightly different month. Still got the yeah. J right though. Well, it is 2018, right? Or am I having a Steve Harvey <laughs> moment? You are having that Steve Harvey moment. You are yeah. liking that meme way too much. I'm just telling you. I used it everywhere. Um, my first pick is actually a trade paperback that's coming out. Uh, I went with the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Ru- Volume 1, Road to Annihilation. Oh, uh, shit. And uh, the... All right, he's lost his page. Uh, <laughs> it disappeared. Um, Uh-oh. It was a limited edition. It's already gone. Yeah. Um, she's the... Uh, various artists, various writers. Um, she's the deadliest woman in the galaxy. He's the ultimate destroyer. Together, they're the two of the Guardian's heaviest hitters. Now find out what Gamora and Drax got, got up to in the years before Annihilation events united the team. Adam Warlock's latest resurrection brings his Infinity Watch allies back together. But will Gamora and Drax become an enemy? Drax battles with the new Captain Marvel will plunge them both into the microverse. When, <laughs> Than- when Thanos seeks to send all reality spinning into the abyss, Gamora joins the assemblage of heroes, including Warlock, Spider-Man, and Doctor Strange, to stand in the Titan's way. And when She-Hulk takes on a case in space, Drax and Gamora are drawn into the trial of universal law. Uh, and this is collecting Warlock 1-4 through four from 1998, Captain Marvel 4-6 through six from 2000, and 15 and 16, and Infinity Abyss 1 through 6, and She-Hulk uh, 7 through 8 of 2004. Cool. I haven't picked it up. Might be good at reading for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I went a little different this week. Uh, I, I figured new year, new change. If there's not a mm-hmm. not a, a regular book or a regular title, I'm going to go with a trade paperback. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Offer up something a little bit more. Well, that so, works. Um, Kylan, why don't you go next? All right, let's go with uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America Steve Rogers, number nine. Uh, and uh, the writer is Nick Spencer. The penciler and cover artist are Jesus Says. Uh, with Steve searching desperately for Kobik, he's he reaches out to a hero that can help, Avril Kincaid, the all-new Quasar. Plus, a threat from beyond stars pushes an already weakened shield to the break. Okay. Yep. How about you, Eric? So I guess that makes me and my first pick of the week is kind of going in a similar direction to you, Mike. It is Rocket Raccoon number two. We need more bags. Uh, written by Matthew Rosenberg and artist Jorge Coelho and uh, nice. cover artist David Nakayama. Grounded. Rocket is kicking in yep. doors and busting heads. Something <laughs> sinister is preying on defenseless creatures in New York City and as much as Rocket hates Earth, can't imagine. That's kind of where his people are, kind of. <laughs> Don't tell as, him that. Uh, yeah, there you go. As much as Rocket hates Earth, he can't ignore the dead bodies being left in this evil's wake. <laughs> All right. So for round one, uh, how would you rate the different books? 
Me? Yes. No. Oh. <laughs> I'll put you on the spot. But I, have, but I haven't read any of them. Um, well, just how based can I on, rate them? Just based uh, on our say, picks. How, uh, I like. Uh, I mean, I think I like the trade. The trade would be my number one because it sounds like you got a lot of a lot of good reading in there and a wide variety. And it has a lot of my favorite characters from Gamora to Adam Warlock, Thanos, uh, galactic spanning stuff. Um, so that would be my number one. And then I think Rocket would be my number two because um, he's always been one of my favorite characters. And I'm curious to see how they play him out grounded on Earth. And I guess Quasar, or sorry, it wasn't Quasar. What was the actual title? It was, oh, Captain, it was uh, America. Captain America. Captain America. Yeah, I've never been a big Captain America fan or Quasar for that matter. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, just okay. I'll just put that one wah, number three. <laughs> 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 Yeah. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to number two. I went with Deadpool number 24, Kabosh Secret Comics. Um, it's Patient Zero Comes to an End. Will Wade make a deal with the devil to, to save a loved one? Surely no Marvel hero would do such a thing. I almost picked that one just because, well, it's Deadpool. Yeah. Uh, of course, this is written by uh, Jerry Duggan, and the artist is Matteo Loli or Lolly. And by the way, Ramon, if you're if you're hearing us like totally mangle somebody's name, <laughs> just, just go ahead and call us on it. Yeah, we don't care. And, and, All right. feel, and feel free, duly, duly noted. And feel free to let them know. Hey, these guys butchered your name. You need to go on and correct them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to go on their website, talk to them, and school them a little bit. There you go. Oh, they got to come on the show and school us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's our standing invitation for anybody. Yep. It's like you know, mm-hmm. if we mess up your name, you know, come on and tell us. Exactly. Yeah, just trying to help. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kylan, your your next pick. Uh, my next pick is Spider-Man number 12. Uh, the writer is Brian Michael Bendis. Cover artist is Sarah Pacelli. This is it. The moment you've been waiting for. The kiss heard round the world. The two most talked about heroes give us something new to talk about in this Spider-Man, Spider-Gwen crossover. How did Miles and Gwen get here? Uh, so, yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. My second pick of the week is Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme written by Robbie Thompson and art by Javier Rodriguez. The sorcerers are losing the battle to the unforgotten. The strongest among them is dead. Doctor Strange is weaker than ever. Can Demon Rider, that ghost rider of the 1800s, turn the tide? Or the Conjurer? Or perhaps the young man who will become the Ancient One? The climax of the first arc is here and not everyone will make it home. (laughs) Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> oh, that's a good selection. I would have to say my first pick out of that would be probably Spider-Man because I've always loved Bendis's writing and uh, Pacelli's artwork is always outstanding. Um, and I've seen some pages from that actual issue and it just looks phenomenal. And I love Spider-Gwen too. She's, she's a great looking character. Um, so that'd be my first pick. Second would be, um, uh, oh man, I, I just blanked. Uh, Doctor Strange, because uh, I, I mean, I've always loved Doctor Strange, and he's just awesome. The occult, the the weird, just graphics and just the art on that's amazing as well. And uh, did you say Ghost Rider was in that as uh, that issue? Uh, Demon Riders, like like the oh, Ghost Rider of the eighteen hundreds. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's just cool all around. There, there you go. And then the third one, that'll be the third. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, Deadpool. He yeah, got enough love like last year. Right, there's a, there's a, we got a proliferation of Deadpool. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> well, I guess we'll start round three. And, right. uh, it's this, a lot of work. 
this should come as no surprise to Eric and Kylan. Um, I went with the unbeatable squirrel girl number 16. Uh, writer is Ryan North. Artist is Erica Henderson. It's the 25th anniversary of Squirrel Girl. 25 years ago this month, she made her first appearance in Marvel Superheroes Volume 2, Number 8, way back in January in 1992. Then nothing really happened with her for like a decade until 2005 when she appeared in, wait, what, what am I, Wikipedia? Wikipedia has all this stuff and people don't read comic solicits for a history lesson. They read them for some sweet spoilers on what will be in the comics, their comics several months from now. So let's spoil some comics, huh? Spoilers begin. In celebration of 25 years of Squirrel Girl, several of which actually featured the publication of comics starring her, we are brought back Squirrel Girl's co-creator, Will Murray, to write his second Squirrel Girl story ever. It's Squirrel Girl's 15th birthday, and she got the greatest present of all, a run-in with the Incredible Hulk. Also, your regular Squirrel Girl team is here to also tell a story that's so cool. Erica's drawing both. Um, two stories, two writers, one artist, and a quarter century of, with a character. It's a special one-shot you don't want to miss. Spoilers over. Now try and act surprised when you read it, okay? <laughs> and it's the, the way the solicits are written for Squirrel Girl is part of the reason I'm drawn to this character. <laughs> it's just a fun, quirky series all around. It's yeah. great. Yeah. I, 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 love, I love what Erica and Ryan have been doing with this book. Mm. Number two. So Kyle, uh, that's me. Uh, that is Ms. Marvel, number 14. Uh, the writer is G. Willow Wilson. Uh, the penciler is Takeshi Miyazawa. Mm-hmm. And a cover artist is Nelson Blake. Uh, Kamala's home life, superhero life, and online life converge when a member of her world of Battlecraft Guild reveals that he's discovered her secret identity. And it's not just talk. He knows a disturbing number of details about her day to day life. But is he human? Mm. Good question. Is he? <laughs> yeah, I have to read the find out. Coincidence? Read the book. <laughs> and um, my last pick of the week is The Mighty Thor, number 15, written by Jason Aaron, uh, artist Russell Dodderman. The Asgard Shi'ar War starts here. As Malekith's campaign to conquer the Ten Realms rages on, Thor and her League of Heroes lead the charge against the Dark Elf's forces. But far across the galaxy, another conflict is brewing and the most powerful super army in the cosmos is preparing a a surprise attack on the city of the gods. The Shi'ar Empire will lay siege to Asgard. Their target, the goddess of thunder. Hmm. Okay, interesting. That's a that's, a, that's, a, that's quite the menagerie there. <laughs> <laughs> um, damn. Uh, yeah, squirrel girl, Thor with the Shi'ar, and uh, what, was it, what was the second one again? Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel. That's right. Yeah. Oh man, those are all good series too. Though I haven't actually been reading the Thor. I've been enjoying the other Thor. The uh, unworthy source oh yeah that's, that's a good one too yeah 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 i'd have to say hmm, just because the shiar and thor thing has got my, my piqued my interest i might throw that one number one i wouldn't have done it normally but it's, it's kind of interesting it's kind of so bizarre it's interesting and then miss marvel is being great all around series i love that series uh Couple of my, uh, Adrian works on that, and Ian, who I'm working with on Nova, colors it up as well, and they're just doing a phenomenal stuff over the years. And now the new team's on it, and so I'm curious to see where that goes. So I'd probably put that number two, and um, and then Squirrel Girl, even though I enjoy it quite regularly, I mean, someone's got to be number three, but. You know. <laughs> 
That no, that by no means it makes her any less in the in this uh, arrangement. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So, uh, Kylan, why don't you wrap it up with our Marvel Unlimited pick, which will well, also be know. which will also be our book club for this this month. Okay. Well, actually, it's kind of good that I went with what I went with. Um, it actually is. It was inspired by our conversation at the beginning of the show. I uh, I went with the all eleven books that we have of Alpha Flight. Oh. In um, Marvel Unlimited, those are issues one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and then it jumps to twelve, then to twenty-eight, then to one hundred six. So it spans this initial run spans uh, August eighty-three to March of ninety-two. Interesting. So I got to ask the question: Why jump so many issues? I mean, it's kind of like Marvel's just going, "Well, this run was pretty much crap, so we're gonna <laughs> skip over it." I I, I don't know. Like um, I was going through i was going through and reading um uh the daredevil story where he he takes over the hand uh man i can't even I forget the storyline now and so all the books in there you can read them in chronological order there's a bullseye book that's in there and they don't have it that's the only book that's not in marvel unlimited is the bullseye one shot and Weird. it drives me up the wall because i'm a completionist and i'm wondering if something happens in that book okay and it may not be important, but yeah, they have all the other books in chronological order, except uh, except for that one. Hmm. That's weird um, too. I I just thought that I think it's. I, I was looking at this list, and I'm like, okay, that's a weird decision. But you know yeah. what? It gives us a month, and you know, Alpha Flight. I, I thought Alpha Flight was a cool cool team, and mm-hmm. you know, this is a great time for people to get into something that maybe they wouldn't necessarily even think about. So yeah. yeah. So Kylan, would you recommend this to just? Justin Trudeau, maybe? <laughs> I would highly recommend this to Justin Trudeau. I would. Um, at, you know, it's in essence, it's a, it, it meets with uh, the con- Canadian content laws, right? I believe it does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, I, I know about that. And so, Good call. And, and, and on top of that, my, you know, to, if, it, if it garners any favor, my mother-in-law did bring me a nice bottle of, of the Trailer Park Boys uh, whiskey. So, oh, you know, hilarious. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> Canadian content. There you go. <laughs> That's amazing. So, Ramon, where can people find you on on the internet, the interwebs? Uh, I'm all over the place, but I think the best place is just go to my website, RamonPerez.com, R-A-M-O-N-P-E-R-E-Z.com. And that has all links to my social media. The one I'm probably most prevalent on is Instagram, and because it just allows me to put up pretty pictures whenever I can. And, uh, yeah, and that'll just take you to everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, any other place I decide to go, yeah. Right. Yeah, we definitely recommend following Ramon on Instagram because uh, he, he does put some really neat pictures up there. And when I when I yeah. when I get the chance to. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So I'm going to put this out there. Any final thoughts from anyone? Yeah. Uh, keep 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 buying Nova. <laughs> there you yes. Go. Yes. Hey, yes. hey, it's it's on my pull list. I, I will be keeping buying it, if, if only because I want to see more Cosmo. Ah, no, don't worry. He's a, he's he'll be he'll be a re- recurring character. He'll be back too. Buy two copies and convince your yeah. friends to buy two copies. There you go. I like that. That's a good plan. <laughs> I'm buying digital. Then I'll buy the trade paperback. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Well, well then, if that's going to wrap things up, Jarvis, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope. Just time to go dark. <laughs> 
It was great having you back on the show, Ramon. Oh, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, guys. we we appreciate yeah, it. We, um, yeah, if we were going to try, like I said, we we're going to try to get you on for the holiday uh, issue, and uh, you know, kind of like so you can be our like our holiday tradition, like you know, the twenty four uh, hours of a yeah. Christmas. So I couldn't get up earlier. It was my schedule was just stupid. Yeah, over yeah. the holidays, it was just ridiculous. But, but yeah, uh, definitely but, be on again anytime. Yeah, we appreciate awesome. it. We uh, awesome. We love having oh, you pleasure, on. Man. Anytime. Yeah. You're, you're now in the running to be a three-time guest the next time you come back. Woo-hoo. I like it. <laughs> Do I get a trophy or something? We will make you a trophy. Woo-hoo. I like it. We'll put, we'll put a maple leaf on it, too, just for good measure. Wait, it's a win-win it, scenario. I'm trying to remember, wasn't Ramon a winner of a non-award? I think he was. Yes, he was. A non-award? So, yes. It's the Mighty Marvel Geeks year-end. We have a uh, year-end episode, or excuse me, issue, because we have issues. Um, our year-end issue was where we do kind of what we, we call them the non-awards. It's kind of like mm-hmm. a take on Marvel's no prize. Okay. And it's basically where us and a panel of others, uh, we vote on... Like things like you know, best title, best artist, best writer. Oh, okay. Sort of thing. And I do believe that you got the best artist one. That wow! Yeah, amazing. That's awesome. I'm flattered. That's cool. Where's my trophy? <laughs> it, it, it's a non-award. It's ah, a non-award. fine. Use that to your use that to your advantage. It's very budget friendly. <laughs> yeah. We we are. We we are actually working on PDFs to send out to to people yeah. so you could display them on your on your digital media. I like it. I do there that proudly. proudly. And I just and I just found out while we were recording that I don't have to go to work tomorrow. So even better, <laughs> I, I will try to work on that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a good news kind of night. There you go. 